everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we welcome Ian Michaud. Ian is the distillery manager and head distiller at Liquid Riot Bottling Company in Portland, Maine. In today's episode, Ian takes us through the history behind the Liquid Riot name, what it's like to work with family, and their focus on the full distillery, brewery, and bar experience, plus some insight to one of my new favorite spirits. With that said, let's get into the podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, we're welcoming Ian Michaud to the podcast. Ian, let's start by having you introduce yourself and give us some info about your role at the distillery and your background in distilling. Uh, so, hi, my name is Ian Michaud. Um, uh, my brother and I founded Liquid Riot. Um, my brother is the president of the company, and uh, I helped him do uh, all the build out. And, um, and uh, I run the distillery now. Um, so I'm the, distil- the distillery manager as well as the head distiller there. Awesome. Let's talk about Liquid Riot as a distillery. So as I understand it, Liquid Riot's name has an interesting historical significance. Can you tell us the story of how you settled on the name and what it means to you? Um, yeah, so a lot of people who know us from early on uh, know that we first opened as uh, Infinity. Um, and we had some issues with the name, uh, other people using it, and decided uh, instead of trying to get into a legal battle, um, we were going to, we rebranded. Um, so after about two years, we changed to Liquid Riot. Um, the idea there was, um, historically, there's been a number of, of riots and, and uprisings uh, revolving around uh, prohibition and alcohol and, and people's rights to, 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 to choose to, to drink their own beverages. Um, in Portland, Maine, uh, a lot of people don't realize we were the first, person, first area in the country uh, to have uh, prohibition laws enacted. Um, Neil Dow was the mayor of Portland, our governor, I don't remember. Um, but he, he started the, the prohibition laws early on. And uh, when that went to, into effect, it caused a rum riot, the Portland rum riots um, in 1855. Um, all of the liquor that was being kept in town for medicinal use, that, uh, cause that was the only thing that you could use liquor for back then um was locked up in the customs house uh and everybody thought that neil dow was hoarding it for himself um and so when the dock workers and immigrants and everybody got wind of that they uh they decided to go try to steal back the alcohol um and then so there was a riot uh shots were fired and one person actually died um but that was the portland rum riots um also, shortly after that, in Chicago, there was uh, a beer riot where they uh, were dumping beer out in the streets, and uh, there was a bunch of uprisings around that. Um, and then there has been other, through history, there's been other um, riots and uprisings. Uh, there was a Champagne riot in France at one point. Um, so we chose this name, Liquid Riot, to 
um, sort of honor and remember all of all of this history uh, revolving around around uh, alcoholic beverages. Great. Uh, and now, when coming up with the idea to start the distillery, what was the real driving force behind you guys getting together and saying, "Hey, let's do this. Let's uh, start making our own booze. Let's get it out there to the people." Um, so my brother Eric has always been into fermented beverages. Uh, in high school, he was homebrewing uh, at home um, and made some pretty decent stuff back then, even though he didn't really know a whole lot about, about everything. Um, and it was prior to, obviously prior to this big craft beer beverage boom. Um, but that love sort of continued and it, 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 Actually, his interest continued into college, and he was able to uh, go to a school that allowed him to travel and sort of uh, build his own itinerary. So he spent his college years uh, traveling Europe, uh, learning about beer, wine, spirits. Um, he's, he worked in Japan at a sake brewery for a semester. Um, he spent time in Belgium, a lot of time in Belgium. Um, visiting breweries and monasteries and stuff there and just learning about all there is to know. Um, and then he moved back after college uh, to Portland and opened Novari Res. Um, you know, most people are familiar with, with Novari Res Beer Bar. Um, when he opened that, it was one of the first in New England, uh, of a, like a true beer bar. Um, and he really kind of embraced the European concept of, you know, no TVs, people go to a bar to, to hang out and socialize and enjoy the products and, and people's company. Um, so with the success of Novari, uh, he eventually decided he wanted to have his own brewery. Uh, and that's where Liquid Riot came about. Um, I helped him build uh, Novari. And so he tapped me again to, to come and, um, and work with them on, on Liquid Riot. Um, the idea of everything that's going on at Liquid Riot, um, it's kind of a monster of a, of a company. Uh, we have the brewery, we have the distillery, and we have a full kitchen and bar. So we're the only ones in the Northeast that do all of that together under one roof. Um, so it's pretty unique. Um, and the idea of, of doing all that was to provide a, a space for people to come and enjoy all aspects of, of you know, of beer and, you know, and spirits. Um, you know, we have food that we can offer, pair with things. Um, we use the food and the spirits in, in the kitchen. Um, we do a lot of our own things. Um, our bar program is, is pretty much in-house. We do a lot of our own uh, syrups and sodas and um, so you know it's just a way for us to to make things that we like and and be creative and be able to share everything with with all the people that are interested it's funny I've uh, been to both locations I've been to Liquid Ride I've been to Navarro Res until tonight I didn't know they were affiliated at all but yeah. I love both places so you guys are doing a great job oh that's great to hear not everybody is able to have the opportunity to work with family. And I obviously work with Nick on this podcast. Uh, Nick's my brother. So <laughs> we work together on this. What has it been like for you to be able to work with a family member so closely and kind of build something from the ground up from day one? 
Um, it's been cool. You know, I'm lucky that I have a very, we have a big family and a pretty tight knit family. So there's not a lot of, you know, we all get along. Um, I guess maybe that wasn't always the case in our younger, Eric and I are about two years apart. Um, so in through school, we had our challenges, um, not seeing eye to eye, but now that we're both mostly adults, <laughs> um, we do get along pretty well. Um, we work well together in this company. Eric's, you know, Eric's the businessman. Um, he has the big ideas and, and makes the plans and stuff. Um, and I'm very technical. So, you know, I can, I build things, I, I operate equipment. And so it, that, that works, you know, he, he, he can do what needs to be done to, you know, to do the nitty gritty business, keep everything afloat. Um, and then I just, I run in there every day and, and take care of things. I do all the maintenance and, and stuff in addition to, to working in the distillery. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good for us. I know a lot of people don't like working with their families. So um, I guess in my case, I'm, I'm lucky. Uh, to get into the tap room in uh, the beer cafe there. So I get the European style of that Navarre res with liquid riots. There's really cool industrial styling inside. You have some arcade games. You can have the open. You can see the uh, distillery and everything in there. Huge bar, nice tables. Your food's delicious. Uh, beer spirits. So what really brought you to come up with that design? Like, oh, this is totally, you know, where we have to go with this. Um, so the idea with the facility was we didn't want to hide anything. Um, you know, we wanted to be open. We, we, we don't, we really embrace like traditional practices and, and the craft of the things that we do. Um, so yeah, the distillery and the brewery are all behind plate glass. Um, we, we really would have wanted everything just open so that people could actually come up and, and, and see things. But um, with all the different licenses in there, the, uh, we weren't able to do that. We had to provide actual separation. So, so the, the plate glass is there, but you can still see everything. You can see the happenings while people are working. Um, the kitchen's open, so you can see into the kitchen and see, see the food being prepared. Um, you know, we wanted to be on the waterfront uh, because it's so important to, to Portland and, and life in Maine. Um, and so we got lucky with the spot that we have a great view of the water. Um, we watch fish, the lobster boats come in and out all day long. And uh, it's just, it's great to be able to, to have that space and, and that connection to Portland. And, you know, it, it really is, you know, the waterfront is what made Portland the city that it is. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun to go down there and go to Commercial Street and the old port and everything. It's a great space, and uh, you have an awesome location right there, right on the water. Uh, the food. I want to talk to you a bit about the food, because last time I was there, I had, I believe it was like a coconut fried chicken sandwich. Mm -hmm. Absolutely delicious. I had a burger, the fries, had some beer with it, and the food was delicious. So clearly, you know, your liquor's awesome, your beer was great, and the food too. So who's behind the food? Um, so our, our chef right now is Josh Doria. Um, you know, the, the kitchen side of things has been a real adventure. It's the, this is the first full restaurant that uh, either Eric and I have ever been involved with. So um, it's been sort of a revolving door um, up until Josh. Um, and when we first opened, the, the, we had a chef that was more high-end upscale. So it was kind of nicer food, fine dining style. Um, and that didn't necessarily resonate with what we were really trying to, to do. And, and the clientele was not exactly what we wanted. 
so we've been back and forth. Um, but Josh, we really like what Josh is doing. Um, you know, it's, he's using a lot of local ingredients. He's working with local farmers, um, sourcing uh, chicken and beef from local farms. Um, and he's, you know, doing pub food for the most part, but with his own twist. Uh, he, he lived in Miami for a little while, so had some access to um, other cultural food styles. And so um, he really likes, he has a bit of an Asian influence um, with the sauces and um so yeah you know the the chicken sandwich i love that um his burgers are excellent um and we just you know we we do it's a fairly simple short menu especially now this summer um but everything's really flavorful and uh again we try to use at least one of our uh beer or spirit products in every dish whether it be a sauce or uh i don't know tries to incorporate it somehow Yep. And looking at the menu, you can really tell that it really is well thought out and none of the ingredients are just kind of thrown together. Oh, this might be okay. You know, it really is a well put together menu and all the food items really come together nicely. Um, I also want to point out we do, uh, Josh is good about uh, providing options for like vegan and non-meat eating people too. So a lot of people don't realize that we, we do have offerings that, that should cover pretty much everybody's palate or tastes. Yeah, that's not that's really awesome. Not a lot of places do. So it's good to be able to have something for everyone. We also saw that you participate in a lot of like local events and, and challenges or you have historically. I know you can't really right now, um, but you're pretty involved with the community. So are there any like standout events that you do every year that you've really loved participating in or causes that you support in the main community? Um, I don't know that. So we're, we're, we're actively working now to try to do more like fundraising for charity and, and charitable events and stuff. Um, up in, most of the stuff that we participate in is, you know, tasting events and, and festivals and stuff. Um, like you said, this year, there's, there's nothing, everything's been canceled. Um, but it is fun to get out and, you know, I, Eric and I are Mainers. We grew up here in Maine. Um, you know, we, we obviously left for, for a while for schooling and stuff. Um, but I personally really enjoy going out to the communities that, that have the festivals and being able to interact with people and, and talk to people. Um, and be, allowing people to, to sample your products at those, those types of events is really key, I think, to, to getting people to buy our products, um, especially on, with the spirits. Uh, spirits tend to be, you know, higher priced item. It's it's not necessarily something that people will want to spend money on without knowing whether they like it or not. Um, so it's really great to be able to go out and and be able to sample and get people's feedbacks from from the spirits. Um, and I do. It's it's that's one of the big, probably toughest parts of this summer. You know, we're open, but we're not able to do a lot of that stuff now. I just moved up here to Maine about a year ago. It was last summer. Uh, tell me about some of these festivals. What are some of your favorites up here that on a normal year, obviously this year I haven't been able to do them, but ones that you frequent, frequent every year? Um, I've been going to the Skowhegan uh, Brewfest for the past, this would have been the third year. Um, and that's a cool one because it's put on by the, the Chamber of Commerce in town there um, as an event for the town to try to get people out and about. And, you know, they've, they're, they're really actively working to, to 
fix up the downtown there. Um, Skowhegan was an old mill town that kind of, as most of the mill towns in, in Maine, uh, you know, went down pretty hard when, when the mills closed and, you know, there's not a lot in those cities now or towns for, for to draw people there. Um, so Skowhegan has uh, Maine Grains is located in, in, right in downtown um, and they are a local uh, grain provider. They do milling and we actually buy some of our ingredients from them. Um, so they're right there in town and, and they do tours and stuff and that's it's cool to, to be able to go up there and see those guys and they help out with the festival. But um, that's, that's a fun one, uh, got canceled this year, unfortunately. Uh, we also do the Great Falls uh, Brewfest in uh, Lewiston every year. Um, that one was started by Baxter Brewing, I believe. And again, you know, Lewiston, Auburn area is another um, area in Maine that has had hard times. Used to be a really nice booming city um, with all the mills and stuff, and that's gone to the wayside. So um, it's another way for, for the brewing industry which is so successful here in Maine to, to help uh, their communities and try to draw people in. Um, so those are two pretty fun ones. Um, on the spirit side, uh, who typically the, uh, so I'm a, I'm a founding member of the distiller, Maine Distillers Guild. Um, and I was the president for the first three years of operation with that. Um, and so we started doing some smaller events, tasting events, um, focus on spirits um, and we do, Typically, we do one every year called Make Mine from Maine, um, which is focusing just on Maine, Maine spirits. Um, it's pretty amazing how many different styles of uh, spirit are available that are made here in Maine. There's, I think there's 16 distilleries now, and there's everything's, you could get everything. You know, we, you know, we make Fernet, which is a kind of a unique one. Um, there's a, a handful of gins, there's vodkas, you know, pretty much everything you could want. Uh, there's even an absinthe. Um, so that, that, those are fun ones too with the, the, the Distillers Guild. Um, actually, the, there is going to be one event uh, in September, uh, the Sebago Lakes Chamber of Commerce. Um, last year was the first year they're going to do it this year. It's called, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I'll look it up and refresh my memory, but, um, but they do, it's a spirits festival um, at uh, Point Sebago um, on Sebago Lake. Um, and so we're going to do it this year. It's going to be different. They're only selling 50 tickets. There's two sessions um, and they're only going to have 50 people at each session. So it's pretty, it's going to be small. It'll be interesting, um, but it will be a good way to see some faces and share our products. And the people um, that do go will probably get to have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time than in a yes. typical year. So that'll at least uh, benefit them a bit and it'll let you connect with some of your customers. For sure. So you do have a, quite the variety of spirits. Um, do you have any particular ones that I guess you like the best that you have more of an affinity for? Um, so it's, it's interesting. My, um, I never was really into fermentation until Eric, tapped me to, to work with this. So um, everything that I know about beer making and, and spirit making, I've learned in the last seven years with, with Liquid Riot. Um, you know, I, I, I've had plenty of beverages to drink in my lifetime, um, but never really 
was as passionate about it as Eric was. Um, so it's been fun to learn about things and sort of uh, develop my own uh, feelings. Um, but yeah, so we make we make nine different products in the distillery. Um, everything from vodka up through whiskey, four different whiskeys, a couple of rums. Um, I like the whiskeys um, probably the best. I, I think our whiskeys are, are, are good. Um, they're coming along nicely. We're hitting almost five years of age on some of them um, and they're really maturing nicely. Um, but the ones that I think are kind of the most unique are the beer-based products that we make. So we have two products. Uh, one's called Beer Schnapps and the other is Bonfire Spirit. Um, both of those products are made from finished beer um, and then distilled. And uh, the Bonfire Spirit is a collaboration with Sebago Brewing. Um, so it's their fall rye beer, Bonfire Rye. And so we take that beer, which has a very high rye content, but it's also quite hoppy. And um, I treat that like a whiskey. Um, so I distill it like I do our whiskeys and barrel age it like our whiskeys. Um, currently, it's about two and a half years old when we, when we bottle it. And the cool thing with that product is it, it, sip, it drinks like a, like a rye, like a light rye whiskey up front, but the hops come through the distillation and lend some interesting sort of citrus, almost herbal notes to the finish. Um, so it's really kind of cool. Um, and then the same thing with the beer schnapps. Um, the beer schnapps, I, Eric, when he was traveling in, in Europe, he noticed that a lot of like the really old um, sort of rural breweries um, traditionally had a small still, um, even if they didn't currently use it due to, to law changes and stuff, but, but historically they would use it um, instead of tossing any bad product any beer that was past date or just wasn't quite right, they would distill it and make a, a schnapps. Um, not like, not American schnapps, not sweet, syrupy flavored stuff, just more of like a grappa, like a, you know, just a high proof spirit. Um, and so he kind of liked that idea. So our beer schnapps is, uh, is made from all the waste beer from our brewery. We don't, we don't throw anything away. Um, when stuff's out of date or, you know, we, we save the bottoms of the tanks, the stuff that's cloud too cloudy or has, you know, yeast sediment and stuff in it. And I distill that to make our beer shops. Um, and it's cool. It, it's because it's grain based. Um, it does have some whiskey qualities, but again, all the, the hop notes come through um, and just lend some interesting citrusy brightness to it. Um, so it's, it's a fun one. It's unique. That is interesting. And while we're here talking about the hops, uh, why don't you take us through your beer selection? Uh, so again, so our, um, our brewery, we're, our whole company is sort of, it's not your typical brewery. We're not, we never were set up for um, uh, whole, like wholesaling. We, we're, we're more of a pub, brew pub. We want people to come to us. So the majority of our products we sell ourselves over our bar. Um, and so we only package a handful of our beers uh, in cans. And most of those are ones that, you know, are, that do well, um, IPAs and stuff. So if people who are familiar with our products and find us in stores, you'll see Headstash, which is one of our, uh, it's kind of our flagship IPA. Um, and we have a handful of other IPAs. Um, but the, the, 
what we are really interested in and what we like and what kind of makes us different is we're, we don't really brew things repeatedly. Um, we've brewed over 400 different styles of beer um, so far since opening. Um, if you come into our facility, we have 16 taps and every single one of those has a house beer on it. Um, and so we make styles, we make all styles. We make everything from dark stouts, um, barrel aged beers, uh, all the way through to light lagers, pilsners. Um, we also have a, a cool ship, um, which is an open fermentation vessel that we use in the colder months, fall, spring. Um, it's a Belgian uh, style of beer to, to make uh, sour beers. Um, the, the wort goes out into the cool ship outside and sits overnight and cools naturally, air cools and picks up uh, wild yeast and, and bacteria from the air. Um, and then that then gets barrel aged for several years. Um, so, you know, again, we're, we like to experiment. We like to, to just touch on every aspect of, of things and learn and, um, we try to be traditional with, with most of the things that we do uh, and then add our own unique twists here and there. And you definitely make a lot of great unique products too. So it's working for you. So keep at it. Uh, why don't we get into the tasting of a couple of these that we have here. So we have the Fernet, the old port bourbon. I've cheated. I've been sipping them the whole time. Awesome. Um, we'll start with the old port bourbon here. I'm a big whiskey guy. That's okay. my go-to uh, when it comes to any sort of spirit. Uh, rye is tends to be my top one, and then, but I like good bourbon and scotch as well. So the bourbon here, one thing that I notice is, unlike some other ones that I have, it's not super high proof. It doesn't really have that strong burn that you might get from some that are really high cask strength. Um, it's super smooth, but you still get all the great flavors that you want out of it. Bianca, have you gotten a chance to sip on this one yet? Just did. Didn't you see me? <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, no, it's really good. I don't, unlike Nick, I don't drink a lot of uh, whiskey at all. <laughs> um, but it's very good. I, I think it's definitely not, it's, it's nice for like smooth so I can drink it as someone who doesn't drink a lot of whiskey. Um, I can't drink a lot of things that are very like, very high in alcohol. So I like that this is it's around like what 45%. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty smooth liquor. It's, it's tastes great. It has really nice flavor notes. And I love the bottle. I love like the whole design of it. <laughs> um, yeah. So our bourbon, um, all the whiskey actually. So in the distillery, I try to use as much main grown grains as possible. Um, so the bourbon has uh, main grown rye, um, malt, and we use buckwheat, which is sort of a, a unique Thing. Um, and then our corn, I've gone back and forth trying to source corn in Maine, haven't found a good reliable um, source. So most of the corn that I use comes out of upstate New York. Um, it is organic um, and it's, and I source it through a, a Maine provider. So um, I am actually working with a farmer here in Maine to try to start growing us some corn. Um, was hoping for this summer, but everything <laughs> fell apart this summer. So maybe next summer. Um, and yeah, so the, the, our bourbon is, so it's a four grain bourbon um, and something that we don't really market ourselves for um, is all of our whiskeys are single batch, single barrel per bottling. Um, the scale of our 
production, I fill 30 gallon barrels and that basically the, the way it all works out is a, a single batch from start to finish will fill just over a, a single 30 gallon barrel. Um, so I keep that straight through to bottling, um, which is cool. You know, a lot of places, a lot of distilleries will actually tout that as a, you know, a, as a special thing. Um, it's just the process that we've used and, and seems to be working. Um, and I haven't noticed too much inconsistency in, in quality and, and flavors. So um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback for our bourbon. Um, we've won some awards with tasting, uh, tasting events. Uh, most notable would be uh, 2018, we got a gold medal in San Francisco at the, uh, the World Spirits Comp uh, Comp competition that they do out there. Um, I'm bottling it just over three years now. It's about three and a half years. We're shooting for four eventually, but it's uh, it sells well for us. So I, I haven't been able to let anything sit for too, too long. Um, and yeah, uh, 90 proof. So it is, you know, in the bourbon world, 90 proof is sort of middle of the road. There are some lower proof. There's some higher proof. Um, we, we like the 90 proof cause it's, it is, hot, it is hot enough, alcoholic enough that you can use it in cocktails or, or ice it if that's how you prefer to use it. Um, and it doesn't water it down too much. Um, but it isn't so, so strong and, and alcoholic that you can't sip it just as is. Um, Some of the bourbons I've been sipping on recently have been like 110. So yeah. it, they're definitely, a, this is a very welcome change for me when it comes right. to it. Um, and then, yeah, so, and the flavor profiles, um, you know, I, I find that it's, uh, it's very smooth. Um, you know, it, it, and again, at 90 proof, you don't get any real burn from the alcohol. Um, I get, uh, the interesting thing for me is on the finish, you get some sort of nutty sweetness and, um, that comes from the, the buckwheat, um, Buckwheat's not a common grass, actually technically not a grain at all. It's, uh, I don't remember what it is, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's something that, and we use it sort of as a, as a nod to our uh, French Canadian family. Um, the French Canadian settlers here in Maine actually brought buckwheat with them over from Europe um, and, and still grow it up in Northern Maine. Um, and they use it to make uh, buckwheat pancakes a lot for, you know, Sunday dinners and stuff. Um, so we decided to try using it in, in the whiskey and, uh, it, it works well. Um, and now the Fernet. So this is one I was excited to try too, because I'd never tried one of these before. To be honest, I'd never heard them before until you guys lent us one here. Um, but this has a really, really unique, awesome flavor. The first thing I noticed when I was sipping on it was just a ton of mint. Yeah. A really smooth mint and just a really nice almost uh like an herbal green tea type of finish on it it's really tasty um so yeah fernet is in the amaro family which is um a class of liqueurs that are tend to be bitter um aperols one there's there's a there's a whole handful of them that people are maybe more familiar with um fernet is uh, it's originated in Italy um, and was tradi is traditionally used as a digestif after dinner. Um, hence the very medicinal sort of quality to it. Um, the, the sort of world leader in, of Fernet is Fernet Branca. And so it's, it is a, it's a product that's 
well known by uh, like bar people and, and cocktail people, um, but it's not real well known to just the general public. Um, so we wanted to do our version of it um, for the bar and to try to introduce more people to the product. Um, so we used Bronca as sort of our benchmark um, since it is so well known. Um, Bronca is very, very medicinal, much more so than ours. Um, it's, it's, it's almost abrasive. Um, I don't prefer it, but uh, a lot of people do. And so our concept with the Fernet Micho was to take that down a little bit and make it more approachable to, to the people who, who don't know or just learning about it. Um, so we are very mint forward. We use three different mints, lots of it. Um, we have 21 uh, herbs altogether in the product and it's uh, barrel aged for about a year to let everything work and mix together. And, um, and then we back sweeten a little bit before bottling with um, agave syrup. And so you get a little bit of that sweetness on the finish. Um, and I think between that, the, the high mint content and a little bit of sweetness, it's, it is much more approachable. Um, I like to sip on it. And again, people use it in cocktails, um, any, any cocktail, like a whiskey drinks and stuff that you would typically use a, a more traditional bitters for, you can substitute um, a little dash of, of the Fernet um, works there. There are more Fernet focused cocktails. Um, I, I'm not a big cocktail person. I tend to drink my spirits uh, neat. But I do, uh, one thing I do like to do with the Fernet is add it to coffee. Um, you know, like, like an Irish coffee kind of idea, but, but the Fernet kind of, is kind of cool. And, um, the herbalness comes out. Yeah, we, I, we always add um, Sambuca to our coffee at, in the Italian ways, I guess. We just always have, in, uh, at, at least in my fiance's family. But um, this is so interesting. I, so I just tried it, obviously, right now. But it has such a unique flavor, such a unique smell, and I really like it. Uh, I love mint, though. So I think that for me, it's I just like anything like overpowering mint, something like I love it. Um, but I also love gin, and it kind of, I think I'm, I like that a little bit more for my palate that I do like a bourbon or a whiskey. So that's really good. That's something that I would definitely drink. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I find it's, it's, it's really complex. And when you, it's, when you sip on it, you really have to take a bunch of sips and every sip is different. Something, something different will come to your palate and um, it's just cool. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap this in just a little bit here. Uh, the drinks were awesome. We had a great time talking to you. Is there anything we didn't get to that you wanted to, talk to about before we go um no i just you know if if you're in the portland area come on in and check us out um we do flights uh beer flights um spirit flights so you can try stuff you can sample stuff we have a retail shop so you can take take product home with you um all of our beers we can uh put into crowler cans so 32 ounce you know big big boy cans um we do that instead of instead of the traditional growler um and we have, if you're a whiskey drinker, we have four whiskeys. Uh, we have a rye and um, we do an uh, oat whiskey, which is made from rolled oats. And both of those are gonna be five years old by the end of this year. Um, so I think we're the only ones in Maine uh, producing a five-year-old whiskey right now, so. I gotta try that oat whiskey. That's one that I haven't tried yet. So I'm excited for that one too. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And we have, great, we have a great cocktail program. So if you, if you like cocktails, come on in. 
That sounds great. I love a good cocktail. <laughs> uh, where can all of our listeners find you online and on social media? Um, so we have, uh, we're pretty good with our Facebook and um, um, Instagram accounts, um, Liquid Riot uh, Bottling Company in both, pl- in both places. Just, you know, search. We're the only one. It's a pretty unique name, so it uh, comes up pretty easily. Um, our website's also pretty uh, well up to date. Um, all of our products are listed there, and um, most of our links to social media are on there as well. Um, blog posts and such. Um, and if you want to buy our products, um, you know, obviously come to come to us. We love to see you. Um, but in Maine, any any bottle shop um, can will carry most of our products. Um, we have distribution in Massachusetts uh, as well. Um, through Ruby Wines, um, they're focused. They were focused more on the sort of on-premise restaurant industry stuff. Um, so this summer, I think they're pushing product into more stores. But um, if if people are in Massachusetts and looking for us, you can ask uh, ask your vendor um, about Ruby Wines and, and see if they can get it. Oh well. <laughs> awesome. Well, we had a great time talking to you tonight. Thank you again for taking the time. Cheers. My pleasure. Thank you. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.